Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, especially those disconnected from Christ. And we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, good morning, Canton Church. How's everybody doing today? That's a good response for the 9.30 crowd. Like I said a minute ago, hopefully you can get home before the rain moves in today. It rained a little bit earlier this morning, but there's some heavier lines coming. So hopefully you get home and before all of that hits. But I'm so honored and excited to be able to speak with you today, to be able to kick off this Summer in Acts series that we're going to be doing. It's going to be an incredible series. And what I hope is I know that you're going to travel this summer, and I know you're going to go on vacation. You're going to go to the beach without me. I won't hold that against you. But you're going to go to the beach and have a great summer. So I know you're going to miss Sundays, but I encourage you to follow along, to be here as many Sundays as you can. If you miss one, you can go to iTunes and search podcast under Canton Church. Subscribe to us, or you can go to our website, cantonchurch.com. Click on the media tab, and you can catch up on all of the missed sermons so that all summer long you can be a part of this incredible series. Pastor Jeremy, our campus pastor, is not with us today. He is at the Marietta campus of Mount Perrin North speaking there. Pastor Mark is on vacation with his family today with his grandkids, and he I know he's having a blast. But Pastor Jeremy is there, so I am here, and I am so excited to kick off this series here with you as he is kicking off this series, or Pastor Jeremy is kicking off this series down at our Marietta campus. But I did some research this week, and just knowing my personal life, I know that this is true, but as a society, as a culture, we can be a culture that really doesn't like to wait on anything, right? Like we like what we want, when we want it, and we want it right now. Technology has kind of created this mindset that we don't like to wait to have to find anything out. I can pull my phone out, press a button. I don't even have to type. And I can just say Siri, and I can ask her a question, and she finds the answer for me right then and right there, and I can have it right when I want it. I don't like to wait. If I can be really honest with you for a moment, I can be a pretty impatient person. I hate traffic. I don't like to sit in traffic when someone is at a red light and I'm like three cars back and the light turns green. Someone in that line is blowing their horn if they're not moving within the first 30 milliseconds, right? Like we do not like to wait. I did some research this week and I found the top five things that people hate to wait on. We don't, as a culture, like to wait on anything. But the number one thing I found that people don't like to wait on is they don't like to wait in airport security lines, right? You're going to the airport, you're going on vacation, you're really excited to get there, you know what time your plane lands, but for some reason you have to get to the airport like three hours early because there's this mystery of how long is the security line going to take. For some reason, I always get stuck behind the person, and if you're that person, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say this. I always get stuck behind that person that walks through, and for some reason, they forgot their belt, and so they have to come back, and then they walk through again, and they've got a bunch of change in their pocket, and I'm like, we've been standing in the same line for 45 minutes. Let's get ready. Let's, let's read all of the signs that TSA has everywhere telling us what we need to take out of our pockets, but we don't like to wait. I did some research, and there's 25 of the top busiest airports and number of people that come through them every day. And out of that, there were three. It was Orlando International, sorry, four. No, it is three. Orlando International, Washington Dulles, and Fort Lauderdale's Hollywood Airport all have an average wait time of 30 or more minutes in their security lines. 
Now, that's a long time if you think about in the average, because yes, that's Christmas Eve when it's crazy, but that's also random Thursday at 3 a.m. And so if that's their average time, you're waiting a long time at those airports. Hartsfield at Jackson here in Atlanta has an average wait time in their line of 10 minutes. But I don't even want to wait in that. I don't like to wait. The second thing that people don't like to wait for is amusement park ride lines. If you are paying thousands of dollars to go to Disney World, the last thing you want to do is wait in line for two hours to go and to ride one ride, wait two hours to ride another one, and then you get to pay like $300 to feed everybody a hot dog for lunch, and then you're going to wait two more hours to ride another one, and then it's pretty much time to leave, and you're like, glad we paid this money to stand in line with our thousands of closest friends. But we don't like to wait in lines. When we go to Six Flags, we're going to ride the rides. We're not going to wait in the lines because the Batman line isn't that much fun. We don't want to stand in lines because we don't like to wait. The next thing that people don't like to wait for is food deliveries. When I am sitting at my house and Lauren and I are trying to figure out what we're going to have for dinner, and we have this conversation for like 45 minutes, well, what do you want? Well, I don't know. What do you want? We're not the only ones that do that. I know. And you're sitting there, and it finally gets to like 7.30 at night, and you're like, let's just order a pizza. Well, when you do that, you don't want to wait. You expect that pizza to be there then because you're starving because you've been having this conversation for an hour. But what happens? You've got to wait. You've got to wait like an hour for the pizza. And I don't like that wait because I don't know where my delivery driver is. And I expect them to stop all deliveries, stop making everyone else's pizza, and to focus on my pizza. On Tuesday, Matthew Baer, who's on staff with us, was here. And he was talking about he and his wife, Keisha, on Sunday night last week and some Memorial Day weekend, they ordered a pizza. And he said, you know, I knew it was a holiday weekend, so the wait times would be longer. And so when he ordered online, it told him that it would be an estimated hour and a half wait time, which he was fine with. He's a much more patient person than I am. He was fine waiting, and he was okay with that. But he told me on Tuesday that it actually got there about 20 minutes earlier than he had expected, and so he was excited about that. But then the next day, he got an email from the pizza company saying, we're so sorry for your wait time. Here's a free large pizza on us. Because they know we don't like to wait. His wait time was over an hour, and they're just assuming that he's kind of like me and is frustrated that he had to wait that long. The next thing that people don't like to wait for is hospital emergency center waiting rooms. Now, if you work at a hospital, this is not a knock on you. I thank you for all of the service that you do. It's incredible. I couldn't do it. You're amazing people. But there are no worse places, in my opinion, to have to wait than in the emergency center. A couple of weeks ago, my wife's grandfather had to go to the ER. And we were at the ER with him for about eight hours. And so at that hospital, there was a max of two people allowed back to be with him at the ER. Well, there were five of us at the hospital. And so we're trying to do that dance of sneaking around and making sure that the nurses don't catch that there's actually five of us in the room and not two. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. And so every time I would get caught, I'd get kicked out because like I'm the in-law, like I don't have to be in the room. And so I'd go sit in the waiting room and you're sitting there in like two seats over, there's one person taking full advantage of the little barf bag, if you know what I mean. And so they're right there. And then there's the guy on the other side that I feel like is about to cough up his lung. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I have caught 37 diseases while sitting in this room. I don't like the emergency room waiting centers. Why? Because we don't want to wait. We want what we want when we want it. And me, along with the hundreds of other people that were there that night, were frustrated that they were having 
to wait because we want what we want when we want it. In the last place, and might be the most frustrating place in the world to have to wait, is the DMV, right? We all know that it takes five minutes for them to just click the picture and for them to print the paper. They don't even hand you the actual card anymore. You get a little piece of paper and it comes later, but for some reason, we still have to wait, and it's the most frustrating wait in the world. There was a study done in 2014 where they looked across eight-month period in 41 states in the U.S., and they came up with the average wait time to get service at the DMV was 44 minutes. That is a long time to be the average across 41 states in an eight-month window to wait. We don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. And maybe if you do, then you're a better person, and you're a more patient person than me, and I can learn something from you. But if, I think if we were real honest with each other, we don't like to wait, Right? We like what we want when we want it. Today, we're going to look at a story found in the first two chapters of Acts as we kick off this Acts summer series where there's a group of people that had to wait and they didn't really understand why they were waiting or what they were having to wait for. But in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4, and I'm going to read through verse 11, the scriptures will be on the screen, but I encourage you to follow along in your smartphone or on your Bible if you have that with you. But Acts chapter 1 Starting in verse 4, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. But, and this is the part that would frustrate me if I was there with Jesus that day, he said, But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be so much future tense here. My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9. And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took Him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as He went, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heaven? Then this Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There is so much about this that's future tense. Go and wait. This will happen. This will come. You will be my witnesses. And imagine you're someone who had been able to stand with literal Jesus in human flesh right there before you. Not only that, but after He had died and after He had raised again, you get to spend time with Jesus. It's incredible. And then He comes to you one day and He says, hey, I'm leaving and you don't understand why He's got to leave. And He says, but then I want you to just go and I want you to wait on what God's going to bring you. And He's going to bring you the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring you the Helper. And you probably don't fully understand what He means by this. And if I had to imagine, that was probably a pretty terrible time to have to wait. Why would they want to wait? Why would they want to wait on God? Why would they have to wait like they've been with Jesus? They didn't have to wait on anything. He just healed people. He just did things. He was right there. They could have conversations with Him. And He said, see ya. Now just go and sit and wait. You know, this isn't the only time in the Bible that God told someone to wait, if you look in the Old Testament, if you look at a man named Noah, God told Noah to build a boat. He said, Noah, you're going to build a boat. It's called an ark. 
And it's going to fit two of every kind of animal on it. And then it's going to rain. And Noah goes, well, what's rain? It's water falling from the sky. Go, start building this massive boat, and then I'll send rain. And then Noah had to wait somewhere between 80 to 100 years before the water started falling from the sky. And imagine the scrutiny he got from his neighbors. Why are you doing this, Noah? You're crazy, Noah. And as Noah builds this boat, as these animals just start showing up, and he's like, I don't know why the lion's not eating me, but it's not eating me. I'm just going to wait. And imagine waiting. And then that moment finally comes where the water starts to fall. And you've been waiting, and God came through on his promises. Abraham had to wait for the promise of a son. God told Abraham, hey, you're going to have a son. Okay, awesome. The son doesn't come. The son still hasn't come. God, you promised me a son. God, you promised me this is going to happen. And Abraham had to wait a really long time into old age to see the promise of God come to be. Joseph had to wait for a dream to come to pass. God gave Joseph this dream. And Joseph had to go through some really hard times, getting sold into slavery, getting thrown into prison. A lot of bad things happened in the life of Joseph. And he's just saying, well, God promised me this. I'm just going to stand around and wait. God, I'm just waiting on you to come through. Joshua had to wait for a chance to lead. Elijah had to wait for the double portion of Elijah's anointing. And the man at the pool of Bethesda had to wait for his healing. All throughout Scripture, we can see these moments, we can see these stories in history where a group of people or where a person had to wait on what God had already promised them. Had to wait on God to come through on what He had said. And I can't imagine that they are any different than you and I. I have to imagine that it was probably pretty frustrating to wait. God, why have I not had this son yet? God, why am I sitting in a jail when you promised me these things? God, I've been building a boat for 75 years waiting on you to bring rain. They're no different than you and I. It had to have been frustrating. And then if you look at this story in Acts chapter 1 where they are with physical Jesus, and I can't imagine how incredible that would have been. He says, I'm going to leave, and I just want you to wait. Wait on what? They had to have been frustrated. But if we skip to Acts chapter 2, it tells us what they were waiting for. It says in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were waiting on a supernatural move of God. They were waiting on something that they didn't exactly understand. They were waiting on something that was completely out of their control. They were waiting on something that only God Himself could do. Kind of like water falling from the sky. There's a group of people in an upper room. There's nothing special about an upper room other than it was just the upstairs of someone's house. They're in this upper room and they're praying and they're saying, God, we're here, we're waiting. What are you wanting to do? And in a moment, the supernatural takes place. The Spirit falls and rests on each 
one of them. Their supernatural move of God has four common characteristics that take place every time there's a supernatural move of God. And the first common characteristic of a supernatural move of God is there has to be expectation. This is a group of people that Jesus had said, hey, go and pray, and God is going to show up. There was expectations of something happening. Next Monday, eight days from now, I leave with an incredible group of high school students to go to high school camp. And then the week after that, on the following Monday, I leave with an incredible group of middle school students to go to middle school camp. And every year that I go to camp, since I was a kid and I went to camp as a camper, and now even more so as I go as a youth pastor, I go with an expectation of God doing something incredible. Every time I leave, I say, this is going to be the greatest week in someone in this van's life. It's going to change their life forever. I go with an expectation. I go expecting God to show up. I go expecting God to move. I go expecting God to do the supernatural. I go expecting Him to do something incredible. So the first common characteristic of a supernatural move of God is you have to have expectation. The people in the upper room were expecting God to do something. The second thing that you have to have, the common characteristic of a supernatural move of God, is you have to have unity. In verse 1, it said they were all together. Now, they were all together in physical because they were in the same room, but they were also all together in unified beliefs. It was a group of people that weren't angry at one another. It wasn't a group of people that were talking about the others. It was a group of people that all came together and said, let's be in one place, let's be in one accord, let's focus together, let's pray together, let's be unified. Supernatural move of God takes unity. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, it says, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them also. They had unity. They came together. They were in one place. They were expecting God to do something. And then the third common characteristic of a supernatural move of God is the supernatural. If we read again in Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's the supernatural. If you're going to have a supernatural move of God, the supernatural has to take place. And that's the aspect of this story. That's the aspect of our lives that we have no control over. I can't control it. You can't control it. The people in this room can't control it. That's the part that only God can do. See, I can show up and I can expect. I can show up and I can be unified. But I can't control the supernatural taking place. I mentioned a moment ago that I love summer camp. Last year at high school camp, there was a girl that the week prior to camp had had reconstructive knee surgery, total rebuild of her knee, and she came to camp. Her parents weren't that thrilled that she went to camp, but she went to camp, and she spent the first several days of camp either sitting in a chair, sitting in a wheelchair, or on crutches with one of those braces that keep your leg completely straight, immobile, because she was not allowed to move it. And if you've ever had any kind of reconstructive knee surgery or you know someone that has, you know that it is a long, rigorous recovery process of months of therapy and a long, tough road ahead. 
And there was a group of students that was praying with this girl, and they ended up taking her into the cafeteria, an upper room type room, not an altar of worship, but just a special set-aside room. They went to the cafeteria, and there was a group of 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old students praying with this girl. And I remember I walked in, and I was sitting on the other end of the cafeteria just watching how cool that moment was of students praying for students. And the girl sitting in a chair in the middle called one of her youth leaders over, and they helped her take off this brace. And I watched as this girl who had just had this surgery, who had months of therapy ahead of her, ran laps around that cafeteria. It's the supernatural. It's the aspect of our walk with God. It's the aspect of what takes place in our lives that we have no control over. In this moment, they went into this upper room expecting God to do something, and they were unified together in belief, and then God showed up, and God did the supernatural. The fourth and final aspect of a common characteristic of a supernatural move of God is personal experience. In Acts chapter 2, verse 3, it says, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They went to the upper room with expectations of God doing something. And they were all there and they were all unified together. And God showed up and God did the supernatural and each one of them had a personal experience from it. The Spirit came and rested on each one of them. When I was at camp last year and I saw that, yes, my knee wasn't healed. I didn't have the one who had the surgery, but I had a personal experience from that moment. That moment is now a part of my story. That moment is now a part of my witness. That moment is a part of my beliefs. My God can do this. I've seen my God do that. In this moment, they had a personal experience. They had a moment where they came expecting God to do something, unified together, the supernatural took place, and they had a personal experience. But all of this took place after a moment of waiting. A frustrating, probably terrifying wait. They had been with physical, raised from the dead Jesus, and he left, and he said, wait. Wait right here. God's going to bring you something. You don't understand it. You don't fully get it. Just wait. Supernatural's coming. I just need you to wait, though. And if I could be honest with you for a moment, we laughed earlier and talked about some funny things that's true because... It's true that we don't like to wait for, but if I could be really honest and transparent with you, while it's frustrating to wait in traffic and frustrating to wait on food and frustrating to wait at an airport security line, if I could be real honest with you, the most frustrating thing to wait on in my life is waiting on God. God, I need this prayer answered now. Why do I have to wait? God, I need you to move in this aspect of my life. God, I need a miracle here. Why do I have to wait? We don't want to wait on God. When I pray it, I need it. 
God, I need the supernatural move of you in my life. I don't want to wait. It scares me to wait. Sometimes I feel like when I'm waiting on God, it's wasting my time. Sometimes I feel like when I'm waiting on God, God, if you just answer this, I could move on. God, if you could just answer this, I could do something better. God, if you would answer this, I could do that. I could do this. I could do the other. But what if we changed our mindset? And rather than thinking that wasted time is waiting time, or waiting time is wasted time, what if we believed that waiting time isn't wasted time? What if we believed, what if we put in our hearts that every time we're waiting on God, it's not a waste of our time, that He's wanting us to learn something in that season? He's wanting to stretch us a little bit. There's reasons that it didn't rain for so long. There's reasons that Abraham had to wait. There's reasons that Joshua had to wait to leave. He probably didn't want to. Noah wished it would have rained day one so people would believe that water can fall from the sky. God made him wait. This group of people probably wished Jesus would have never left. And if he had of, that this moment would have taken place instantly. God made him wait. What if we believed that waiting time isn't wasted time? Today, we're going to take communion together. And as our auditorium hosts prepare to pass the communion elements, I want you to think about what are you waiting on in your life? What are the prayers that you've prayed What are the moments where you have been on your face begging God for the supernatural? God, I need a move. God, I need a job. God, I need healing for a family member. God, I need you to save my marriage. What are the moments that you have been begging God to move for? What are the things that you wish He would take away? What are the moments that you are saying, God, I don't want to wait any longer. I feel like you're wasting my time. What if rather than thinking that way, what if we thought about this question that says, what if the promise of God was just on the other side of your patience? It's real easy to get impatient with God. It's real easy. God, I need this and I need it now. God, I want this and I want it now. God, you've got to answer this prayer today. And we can get real impatient with God. What if we became really patient with Him? What if our miracle, what if our promise is right on the other side of your patience? In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, they're going to pass these communion elements. Again, church, communion is open to anyone wants to to participate. As you hold these elements, this worship team is going to lead us in a song. And then any time during this song, feel free to take communion and then I will come back and I will close. But as you hold these elements, I want you to think about two things. One, what's your miracle you're waiting on? What's the thing you're needing God to do? What's the supernatural move that you're in your upper room waiting on God to show up? And two, what's your posture of waiting? Are you frustrated with Him? Are you angry at Him? Maybe you need to pray as you hold these elements and you thank God for the sacrifice He made in sending His Son Jesus to die on this cross 
for you and you say, God, I'm sorry I've been impatient. Give me patience. What's the miracle you're waiting on? What's your posture of waiting? Let's pray. God, I thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to a group of people a couple thousand years ago in an upper room to show us what it looks like to wait. God, it can be frustrating if I can be honest to wait on you. But God, I thank you that you're a God that allows me to say that without getting angry at you, at me. And God, I pray for myself and for every person in this room, God, that we wouldn't think that waiting time is wasted time. God, I pray for myself and for every person in this room that we would believe that every time we're waiting, you're trying to teach us something. And God, I pray for myself and every person in this room that we would wait and that our miracle would be on the other side of patience. Give us patience, God. God, let us pray bold prayers and let us believe that you come through on bold prayers. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.